Greg Harton. I'm the editorial page editor of the Northwest Arkansas Democrat Gazette, and I'm here today with Rusty Turner, the editor of our Northwest Arkansas Democrat Gazette, and we have the opportunity today to speak with Josh Bryant of Rogers, who is running as a Republican candidate for the Arkansas House of Representatives in District 96. Mr. Bryant has served two terms on the Benton County Quorum Court. He's a businessman in the field of construction and a former U.S. Marine, and um, we welcome you to the interview. It's great to be here. Um, tell us just a little bit about uh, District 96. Uh, remind people where that is. So I like to tell people that if you, if you live within about five minutes of comfortably getting to see Beaver Lake, you're probably in District 96. It encompasses the entire eastern part of Benton County, um, all the lake towns of Oka, Garfield, Eastern Rogers, uh, Beaver Shores, Montanay, uh, what used to be some of Bethel Heights, uh, Eastern Lowell, Hickory Creek. So in between uh, Washington the state line, Carroll County and East Rogers is pretty much the, the square. And the, and the lake goes right through the middle of it. Right through the middle of it. <laughs> All right, well, tell us just starting off what uh, kind of what helped make you decide to run for the House of Representatives and, and what you would like to do with two years uh, in the state capitol. Yeah, I think, I think there's a lot of people that uh, can watch what happens or, or wonder what happens, and I think I like to make things happen. Um, so when this opportunity came up uh, and Mr. Hodges decided that he wanted to move on um, into, the, into the business world, um, I decided I'd throw my hat in a ring and see who else could throw in there with me for the primary. I, I kind of lucked out where nobody uh, decided to go in the primary. So, so here I am. Um, so the, the first two years of uh, me getting down there, a lot of times when you get into a new position, you want to watch uh, just to see what happens. And since I'm a, not really a watch and see kind of guy, I'm, I just got to go in there and make sure that, that, that bad bills don't get past us. Um, there's a lot of people down in the, in the legislature and they've all got great ideas and different backgrounds, different experiences. And what works for Southeastern Arkansas may not work for Northwest Arkansas. And so it'll be a uh, coming upon myself and the other delegation up here to, uh, to make sure that the laws passed in the state are applicable to Northwest Arkansas. Do you um, feel like there are issues particular to the district uh, that, that you hear from people that they are particularly concerned about that you would go down there and try to, to, to the state capitol in Little Rock and, and try to make a difference on? Yeah, there, there is a common theme as I go out in the district. Um, and that common theme happens to ro rotate around probably issue number one. Uh, and it's not necessarily the roads or infrastructure, but it's taxation. Uh, I think majority of Republicans in my area and some, you know, some independents, I, I, you know, a lot of people are probably more registered optional uh, than Republican, but um, most of them just feel that the state of Arkansas has not done a great job uh, in their tax rates. Um, and that's now obviously going to be a very difficult uh, thing to remedy uh, because we like what we've got. We like the services that we receive. Uh, we like, you know, what roads we do have. We like those. So when I say we can just go cut taxes, I don't think it's possible just to immediately go in there and cut taxes. However, we can cut spending. And a lot of the naysayers say, well, we're not really overspending. Well, if we have a $200 million increase uh, in revenues every year and we're spending all of it to catch up with the budget, 
then we can probably try to make some wise decisions to just not increase our spending to match the budget. So uh, when you said issue one, that's the that's the half cent sales tax that that currently will sunset in a couple of years, but uh, the um, the proposal on the ballot would make that half cent sales tax permanent to go to highways and roads. I, I uh, assume from your from your statement there that that uh, you don't favor amendment or issue one at this point. That's not something you uh, you'd favor. Yeah, I've I've made it clear that when I step into that ballot box, I am I'm going to press against, and it's not because infrastructure. It's not because I probably can't afford you know hundred dollars more a year. Um, it goes on principle for me that in 2012, when the when the ballot initiative was proposed in legislature, there was a lot of pushback um, to Jonathan Barnett and to that team, and he kept coming back to the table with amendments. And one of the amendments uh, added to it was a sunset clause, and another was to give a little bit of that piece to cities and counties. Uh, to sweeten that pot so which I'm, I'm not against you know that as as an amendment uh, or as you know the taxes we're paying now but in, in my mind that just it just perpetuates the the uh, thought that you know politicians are liars uh, they go in with all good intentions uh, but the same politicians that were there 10 years ago aren't necessarily the same politicians that are there today making those decisions they're just trying to figure out how to uh, accomplish the, the goal of the, of the 10 year sunset clause and they haven't figured it out in, in eight years. So they don't think they can figure it out in two more. So the next step is just to make the sunset, uh, not be a sunset add it as a permanent tax. And, um, so in my opinion, in the ballot box, when I press against, I'm not pressing against, uh, necessarily the infrastructure needs, um, uh, as a, on a quorum court, I know exactly what the impact's going to be and, and the struggle that we're gonna to have to do in the county if the, if the vote fails. But at the same time, I think we need to approach it in a more honest measure to the, to the citizens of Arkansas. I take it from your answer and correct me if I'm wrong, that you're, you're not really disputing the, the need for work on the highways and, and the need for cities and counties to have some money for, for roads and, and streets out there. Is that fair? That's fair, that's fair. I, you know, I, I think uh they need to do it uh but they did it for so long you know up until 2012 we were getting getting along we went we wanted to improve those we wanted to go back and make some changes uh, seems like all we did was we threw the money in the budget we hired more people we bought more equipment and now when we look down the road in two years when that that sugar pot goes away we're gonna have to make the decision to pull back on people and uh pull back on equipment uh, which means maybe we don't have as many roads. But I think with two and a half years left, um, legislatures in Arkansas, if the vote fails, uh, that that's enough time to course correct their budgets a little bit and see where it lands. However, I, I see the governor's posted that, you know, he's very confident issue one will pass. Uh, I'd be interested to see what the numbers in Benton County look like. You know, we, we tried the eight cent sales tax increase for a new courts facility and it, it got beat uh, by a pretty good margin. So we'll see what two years has done in the, in the voters' mind of Benton County. The question of taxes in general, um, it certainly sounds like you feel like the district um, is at least starting out if taxation is the question, the answer is generally gonna be no. Um, uh, do you feel like that's, that's gonna carry through your term and, and, and regardless of what the issues are? Yes, 
Yes, I do. Um, you know, when people look at, uh, I think there's actually an article in the paper uh, accompanying the article on Sunday about, you know, the cons for the, for the road and the pros for the road. And the cons article was, you know, we've got the second highest sales tax um, in the nation next to Tennessee, but the caveat is Tennessee doesn't have an income tax, which, which I personally didn't know Tennessee didn't. Um, so I think if the answer is, you know, do we raise taxes to accomplish our goals? Um, most of my constituency is going to say no. Okay. Well, what we're, well, we're talking about issues. Have you formed an opinion about issue two, the, uh, the term limits, uh, uh, issue? uh yeah, issue two, uh, 16 years or 12 years with a four year break. Uh, hopefully personally, I was comfortable with 16 years. Uh, I think that's plenty of time for a person to go to the legislature and get some of their, uh, their goals done. Um, 12 years is, you know, that's, you, that's plenty of time too. It gives you four years to get back into, into industry, see what, how your laws have affected people. Um, and then maybe get back in and if there's not a, a, a good candidate otherwise. So I, I'm probably going to vote for it. Um, just because I, I see either way as, as, as term limits. So that's not a problem for me. Uh, I was a little bit irritated that all three of the amendments that came out of the, out of the legislature obviously don't have titles. <laughs> so most people, when they, when they get to the ballot box, all they're going to see is generic, generic terms about term limits. And if they didn't do their homework, they're going to be just flipping the coin. Yeah. So, uh, um, how about issue three? How, how does the coin come up for you on issue three? Uh, issue three, I'm four. Uh, that was uh, kind of a struggle. I, I read lots of commentary both ways. And I think in, in today's advanced technology, it's different than what it was when the, when the um, Constitution was amended to allow citizens to put an initiative on the ballot. You know, if you've got uh, out-of-state interests, which is, which is what some of these are, you know, not some of them are not, but they camp out in the three or four or five most populous areas of the nation, I'm sorry, of the, of the state, and they just collect signatures. It really does, it disenfranchises everybody else from the state. So I, some of the, some of the things I probably, like I didn't mind a cure period. Um, I know that's gonna be pulled back. I didn't mind some of those things because we're humans and we all make mistakes, but overall increasing the, the voter turnout as, as far as getting those signatures to, you know, to more counties and uh, having more requirements to it, I think is a good thing. And just to play devil's advocate, one of the criticisms of issue three is that it's just going to make it that much harder for a citizen led proposal to make it to the ballot. Does that concern you at all? It, it doesn't because there's a lot of good firms out there that know exactly how to drive voters. Um, so I think if, if, you know, if, if you've got a good, well-funded, uh, well-thought-out idea, um, you can get a lot of traction with it and, and hire these firms that are out of Little Rock that can really take your, take your campaign to the next level and be able to, to get those uh, signatures to get on the ballot. Okay, fair enough. Um, how do you feel the, um, you know, what we're all dealing with is COVID-19 and, and uh, you know, seems to, seems to get a little better and then suddenly we, it gets, gets worse uh, in terms of the cases. Um, how do you feel like the governor and, and the state has handled that, uh, that emergency? You know, I, th I think the on onslaught of the, the initial um, 
you know, what, what kind of watch and see, see what other states are doing, see, see if what is coming to, uh, to happen is actually coming to fruition um, was, a, was a good approach. I don't even necessarily mind that the executive order was, was initiated. Um, however, as, as probably seen in my other statements, I, I feel that we kind of lost sight over what the people's will is. Um, I know, I know the executive office of our state is doing the best they can to, to minimize the spread, to, to keep the, the hospital's um, patient counts low so they can keep the services open for everybody. I, I, I get that. But from what I am seeing, um, at least in our local hospitals, the nurses that come out that are, that are in my community or, or the doctors say it's really, it's really not that bad. Now, is that a result of the action we took? Let's, let's just assume it is, but I think for the most part, most people at this stage in the game, um, they may know people that have tested positive, but the symptoms were, were not there. They are cautious with what they do. They have their own self-control, their own liberties. They don't, some don't want to be told what to do, not necessarily, you know, a sovereign citizen, but they just, they feel like their liberties were encroached on. I, I'm probably one of those um, that feel as though if it's my decision to wear a mask into a place of business or the business owners um, view that they want me as a patron to wear a mask, I want that mutual respect. Um, I don't think a lot of my constituency would say that uh, having the, the governor tell us that we have to as business owners or as citizens um, is what we should have done. Uh, I think it crossed the line. Um, as far as the, the numbers going up and down, up and down, I. I struggle with, uh, you know, the previous flu symptoms, you know, telling my, my child, hey, wash your hands, don't touch your face, wash your hands, don't touch your face. Um, and now we're putting an object on their face, sending them to school, um, which everything that we laugh about does happen, comes home with a different mask, um, touches it all the time because it's bothers, you know, it irritates them and, and they don't have the self-control that adults do or most adults do. So. Uh, I just think it's, it's, we're ready to be, to be done with it, move on. And at some point, um, we're going to have to just take, take our, take our shot, uh, or else we'll be living like this for the next unforeseeable future. And, oh, and, and, and again, Josh, just playing devil's advocate. Um, why does, what is, uh, a, a, a temporary rule that everybody needs to wear masks in public? Why is that crossing the line when, we're not crossing the line when we require people to be decently dressed when they go out in public, or we, we require uh, people not to smoke indoors at restaurants. Uh, you know, why, is, why, why are those things okay, and why is requiring a, a, a temporary requirement to wear a mask not? Well, you're, you're putting a mask on, on healthy people. It's like asking a, a guy with a shirt on to go ahead and add a sweatshirt on. You know, it's just majority of people are, are, are healthy, when they when they walk outside their home, if they're not, ideally they would have stayed home anyway. Uh, whether it was flu or or another illness that was you know contagious, um, and and I didn't mind you know the first thirty days to see what happens, but to to not involve the people to bring them back to the table uh, to say you know is is this the best course of action? Which that he probably would have got a yes. He would have got some buy-in from stakeholders across the state. Um, I just feel it's it's even though it's, it's not, you know, decency laws, you know, they, you know, they, I guess they got set up for 
you know, since the beginning of our civilization, that there's some, some decency and some decorum. Um, some states, obviously, getting rid of some of that uh, decorum where it's, you know, it's legal to walk outside, you know, half naked. Uh, and that's uh, up to them. That's just something our society hasn't accepted yet. Um, but as far as requirement to wear a mask on an otherwise healthy individual, uh, it should be their choice. I think in, uh, in the Sunday newspaper, uh, you had uh, talked about the emergency powers um, uh, and the, uh, the, I think you had an idea that uh, uh, potentially the, the, the changing the state law so that if the governor uh, invokes emergency powers, that that might automatically trigger a special session of the legislature. Uh, do I have that right? Yeah, yeah, it, it, it might be too broad. You know, there's executive powers exist for a number of reasons. And I wouldn't say every time an executive action is, is generated that it just automatically triggers us to be there. Um, I would say that there should be a, a time limit on, a, on the executive um, authority, which there, there is, but that time limit, if you want to do it again, that second round should generate the, you know, a legislative session. That, that would be my thing. You know, I'm not saying that, you know, any governor in the future, he, he has to do his job or she has to do her job. I totally understand that. Um, and we want them to be able to do that because that's, that's how you make swift decisions. Um, but as my article said, you know, swift decisions aren't always accurate. You know, you pull and pull and shoot, you know, you're just trying to get a, a round down range. You're not looking to see that it hit its target. Well, if you, move that forward 30 days, 45 days, 60 days, and you got to take a shot again, you better have some backup. You better have t had time to get your, you know, get your aim right. And that's, that's where I think, um, you know, all the people elect one governor, then, then local people elect their leaders to go to the house or the Senate and they should weigh in on those decisions when they, when they are prolonged. So you're thinking that a legislative session would, um, I mean, I'm trying to envision what the criticisms of that would be, and, and I'm sure one of them would be, well, you're, you're guiding uh, in the current situation that you're guiding public health decisions by politics as opposed to actual public health. What do you envision the legislature actually doing in a session, you know, whether it's three months, six months, what, whatever the time limit is, what, what do you kind of see the legislature getting together to do to, to help with the emergency that's being dealt with? Yeah, I, I kind of view that as, as <laughs> politics being, I guess, being the necessary evil. You know, any governor, uh, whether it's a Democrat or Republican, is going to appoint people in their cabinet that align with their views. Um, so if we are, or if we're asking for an emergency to be viewed, we're still, you know, whether, whether either party's in the executive branch, we're asking through those views or policies to be determined by one set of lenses. I think much like any, any decision, you put it into a committee and you get opposing viewpoints, you get a lot more data brought to the table. And ideally, a, a, you know, a well-grounded adult uh, person will look at all points to make the decision rather than the, the points of people that are appointed you know, directly underneath them. So I see that as, as the benefit. You're no longer just, you know, looking through the eyes of one director at, at one government office. You're asking from industry, you're asking for the medical professions across the state, from different parts of the state, from different parts of the nation to come together 
to say, this is what works, this is what doesn't, you know, let's compromise to move forward. Um, let's touch base on, on kind of what the nation and to some extent locally we've been dealing with in terms of um, the race relations and law enforcement. Um, uh, what kind of ideas do you carry into uh, office if you're elected on November 3rd to, um, to approach that? Because I'm assuming that there will be some legislative uh, proposals that are, are touching on race relations and, and uh, those sorts of things. And um, have you given some thought to, to how you might tackle that? I have. I've, I've uh, of course, you know, what hits the media is, is the proposed hate crimes legislation. Um, now, whether or not the, the, they, the legislature pulls a special session or the governor authorizes a special session prior to the election or, or waits until session is gaveled in, uh, TBD. But, you know, I think that legislation looks great when you look at the title. I mean, who, who opposes hate? Well, everybody should oppose hate. Um, but I think once you get into the meat of the legislation, you realize that uh, it's really just letting Lady Justice peek out of her blindfold. Um, you know, hate, hate is hate, in my opinion. You know, the crimes are committed because I've got a, a disdain or a dislike for that individual, because that's the that's the the elementary definition of hate is you know an extreme dislike. So if if you're going to let Lady Justice peek out of her, out of her blindfold to see that um, that there's hate based on veteran status or race or, or gender, um, then why not sports team affiliation or political affiliation? There's just that avenue just keeps going on and on and on. So uh, it is a, it's a sensitive subject. Um, it's one that it does need to be dealt with. I don't think it's being dealt with in the appropriate way. Um, you hear the terms, you know, systemic racism. I think that turns a lot of people off. You know, you're, you're saying by the nature of, of you being in the majority, you're automatically a racist, you know, as, as they might say in, you know, in the different movements. Um, I think that needs to be, to, to be rephrased because, you know, racism when I grew up just meant uh, you felt your race was superior. And I, I personally don't think, and I don't know many of, of any of my colleagues or friends or family that think they are superior um, so that, that automatically, you know, they don't even want to come to the table to talk. They just, it's just, they just push it away. Now, however, if you said, Hey, what about your prejudices? You know, what about, um, how people think of certain things that people are doing? You know, you can go through the broad, a broad spectrum. You can say, you know, uh, uh, African-American with the, you know, pants around, um, below their hips. You know, what does that make you think? Well, it's a stereotype. They're not thinking, oh, I'm better than that person because he's not like, you know, he's not my same color. It's just, that's just not what we view as normal. That doesn't mean it's wrong. It just means a culture issue. Um, same thing with uh, a, a, a Caucasian male wearing a, 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 you know, tank top. You know, things come to mind was, oh, is, you know, is that a, a spouse beater, you know, a wife abuser? Um, it's not saying that, it's a, you know, a racist issue. It's just saying that uh, we, we take our prejudices too far. So I think one way we can, we can get majority to come to the table to have these conversations is to talk about prejudices, not about racism. The, um, 
the the situation we found ourselves in as a country, and certainly I think down in Little Rock uh, in the legislature where you've got representation from across the state, um, that I mean, there's a lot of anger uh, involved in in some of this uh, police brutality, and and there will be um, I think some measures to to address that uh, just from the perspective of of trying to address some of the concerns of the of the folks who have been protesting and and trying to have their voices heard um, mm. uh, certainly the hate crime legislation is is one aspect but do you feel like that the legislature needs to dive into that a little deeper is it a problem that is strong enough that the legislature needs to dive into i think uh, as far as as police reform goes it's it, to me it, it's not an issue that yet can be addressed on that large of a scale we, what we're doing is we're saying we're opening up our 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 office uh so we'll use the Benton county sheriff's office he has a need for x amount of officers and he opens that application up to all that are willing and able now it takes a, a special person to want to serve in that capacity in my opinion to put yourself in harm's way for a meager salary that's probably not worth uh, what it should be paid but that's you know it's a government job in a sense so that's that's what we can afford so that's what we paid and then uh, much like any contract that was accepted by the applicant to work for that pay so he's going to do his job so as any good employer we're just got to ask him to do their job so to take the tools and the resources away from our employees you know what what good employer business owner would do that um, if we're going to change anything, it has to be changed at the scope of practice. You know, so if we've got a hundred laws on the books, we can't just say don't enforce these 10 laws. We have to remove those 10 laws from the books. And I'm going to, I'm going to predict that as a society, we don't want to remove the laws that we have on our books because it, it protects, um, the, the weak. It's, um, ensures safety of our communities. Um, so we can sure take a look at that, um, pulling, pulling back the laws, but to, to defund or take away resources from any law enforcement agency when all we're doing is asking them as employees that are trained, um, that are willing, that are, uh, hum most of them humble, that's just, that's just absurd to me. The, um, uh, one of the issues that's not, specifically in your district but but certainly water quality is a is a big issue in your your district um you've got the issue about the hog farm over around the buffalo river uh and the uh the governor has supported a, a permanent moratorium right around the river uh for those sorts of facilities uh, how do you feel they ought to approach that issue uh that it's it's been it's been bandied about, you know, in some of the legislative committees and all, and, and so far, you know, really hasn't gotten anywhere. Um, we're, as a representative down there, how would you uh, approach that? That's a, an issue I probably haven't given as much research to as maybe other, other issues. Um, I'm, I'm a big proponent of property rights. Uh, however, there's gotta be a line drawn to what goes on on my property shouldn't affect my neighbor's property. Uh, so there's a, a, a delicate balance of what that looks like. 
in my opinion. So uh, I would say that there is there's a need for, for farmers, for agriculture. I think Arkansas is still one of the leaders in the nation for, for that industry. Um, and to just put a put an end to it um, affects the livelihoods of not only that farmer, but but you know thousands of people down the line uh, that work in that industry. So uh, I don't think uh, uh, you know to stop it would be that would be the root answer. I think to see what can be done to mitigate, to minimize, um, to assist economically uh, with those procedures in place to 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 minimize the effects of the nature. Of, of nature of the the land users downstream um those would probably be the the factors that i would more want to consider rather than just shutting down industry so josh it it looks like we're close to 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 time but uh wanted to give you an opportunity if there's something that you wanted to talk about that you, an issue you want to bring up and 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 discuss that we haven't asked you about uh now now be the time so is there anything that you'd like to bring up and and uh, visit about to uh, uh, go for it. So. Uh, well, there's that's I wasn't prepared for uh, what would I do. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, there's you know I've I have got a list on my phone of, of different issues that have been brought up by you know my constituents uh, from industry throughout Benton County, Washington County. Um, a lot of them were just rules and regulations changes inside different departments um, which are probably a bigger challenge because they're they're small potatoes uh, compared to you know what what probably is going to happen or should happen but it's still those one or two issues will affect um, countless users of that industry so uh, my goal was to is to fight for the little guy um, and see see what we can get done to affect policy change down little rock um I guess I should note that uh, uh, in this question, uh, you know, if you get elected, because you do face a, a Democrat on November 3rd, yep. but if you get elected, are there any particular committees uh, down in the House that you, you would like to uh, try to get on? Um, the, one, the one committee that I mentioned I, I've been told shouldn't be a problem, um, and that's uh, cities, counties, and, and you know, local government committee. Uh, I feel that I have, I've done business with most of the major cities uh, here. Uh, pretty good relationship with the mayors throughout them. And obviously with my county experience and understanding how local government works, I think I'd be an asset to that. Otherwise, um, I'll, I'll be used where the, the speaker and the, and the caucus can use me. I think you had been appointed by the governor to a child welfare agency board. Is that right? No? no, no. Okay, I uh, that might be. I, I learned I learned my lesson in doing some research on this that there are a lot of Josh Bryant's of Rogers, um, <laughs> yes. including yeah. one attorney, I think. So yeah. I think that uh, that must be one of the other Josh Bryant's. Yes. But um, all right. Well, um, I think that's all of the questions that we've got. Rusty, do you have anything else? No, no. Just want to thank you for being here, Josh. We appreciate your time. You bet, gentlemen. I appreciate it. Yeah, we appreciate it very much. And uh, take care of yourself and good luck out on the campaign. All right. Thank you, sir.